We've got three passages of Scripture this morning involving our association with demons. The title is To Know Demons. To know them. To know what they are. To know how they work. To know what their limitations are. and to understand how to operate in their presence. Because as a spiritual being, you never know when they're there unless they make their presence known. The first scripture we'll deal with this morning is in the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 16. The book of Acts has to do with a book that was put in the Bible, written by Luke, the best historian in the Bible, writer in the Bible. And it was to tell about the early things that happened to the early church. And there was some wild stuff in there then. It has settled down to a more controlled, a more evil church than it was probably then. We want to make you aware first that there are some demons that do service to their host. They're not out to get their host. They're out to help their host and serve their host and even make, we'll see, make their host money. They're called familiar spirits or friendly spirits. They're not evil toward the people they indwell, but they're very good, they're very good friends of. So in Acts 16 and verse 16 we'll look at what it says. And it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. That's a particular spirit that she had. Possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Or these men had taken over this young girl and had her telling people's fortunes for pay. The same person, the girl, that could tell fortunes followed Paul and us, and this has changed the author here, this is, this is Luke talking now. And cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Here is a demon with the demon gift of divination, and she's following these missionaries and telling everybody 
And this did she many days. But Paul the same followed Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. She is making people aware that these men are saving people for Jesus Christ. This is a demon now. And this did she many days. But Paul being grieved. Now that word grieved, I looked it up to make sure I was using it in a way or it was being used in a way that we understood. The definition, the Bible definition, was that Paul was greatly annoyed because this woman was walking behind these people telling the whole crowd who she was, who they were. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Something I thought was a little bit a little bit, I had never seen it before. I know that every angel is used with the pronoun he. There are no women angels. They're asexual. They're all called he's. And by the way, with that in mind too, you see a lot of these girls depicted as angels with huge wings on the back and everything, that's not so. Angels can get wherever they need to be in a snap of a finger without a wing. They don't have to flap wings. They think where they want to be and they are. And when her masters, there was a female host, but a male demon. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They brought them to the leaders of the town. leaders of the town when explained what they had been doing as enemies of the town the leaders of the town decreed that they would be beaten and the leaders stripped their clothes off of them and the town people beat them with stripes till they couldn't stand and brought them to the magistrates and was given their cause why they shouldn't be there. And when, verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang, praising God, and most important part of that whole paragraph 
and the prisoners heard them. The other prisoners heard them testifying for Jesus Christ and his salvation. Now this starts the story that I heard as a kid, you may remember it, where Paul and Silas was in jail and they were singing. And a storm came, the lightning struck, and all the chains came apart. And when the jailer saw, because he had been given a special responsibility, and when he saw all the doors open and all the chains had been broken loose, he was scared to death because jailers in those days, if they had a prisoner to escape, they were punished with death and he started to kill himself and Paul stopped him. This was that, that next story. This is how they got in that jail by what they did as far as the lady, the young girl who was concerned And even in Paul's distress, being recently beaten, and his whole message disqualified, he's sitting in prison, witnessing to the other prisoners in the, in the prison by preaching and singing about how great Jesus was. Now, if you want an idea of what kind of fellow Paul was, that's him. That's him. So we see that all demons aren't bad to their host. This one made her host managers money by putting the spirit of divination of telling the future on this young girl so they could get her and take her and make money out of her telling people what their future would be. That's a little different idea than most of us have. But like I said, to know demons, some of them are like this. In Mark chapter 1, if you would turn there please. Mark chapter 1, or Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. Verse 21 says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. This is Paul. They, Jesus and his disciples and his followers usually made it a point because people hung around the church on Saturday and they were in an outer Not a roofed room, but a, a, a walled place where the women could go, because the women could go in with the men to, to hear 
the scriptures being read. And so they were all, always, there was a bunch of people who weren't the pure Jews outside. And they taught them. And this is where they are. And the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. You know, I remember the old fish story. If you were there when the fish was caught and the guy weighed the fish, and he said, this fish weighed 18 pounds. Well, then when you left and told whoever you told about how big the fish was, you said, it was 18 pounds. And when somebody stands up and says, no, there's no 18-pound fish in that lake, I know they're not. And he said, well, that's what the guy said. So now how much confirmation you got? On the, the fish was actually 18 pounds. But if the guy comes back and says, I was standing right there, I saw him catch the fish, I saw him weigh the fish, I know how big the fish was. You believe me. That is the difference between somebody who was there and somebody who wasn't there. The scribes were not at the things that happened that they're telling all these people about. They learned it in school from their teachers. That's all secondhand information. Jesus taught like a guy that was there when the fish was caught. He saw it and he knew it. He spoke with authority. If you've been around somebody who is telling what he heard and is telling what he saw, they talk a lot different. You know that. And they noticed that, that Paul was talking like he had been there when it was done. And in fact, he had. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. Jesus, who taught them, had lived it firsthand. Who taught Paul, not the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Here we have another place where demons go to church. Don't think they don't. Two out of these three stories we see today are where demons are in the church. I was taught that if you preach hard enough, a demon can't sit in front of you. <laughs> Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? 
Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now let me tell you something else about the demons. They know Jesus. They know who he is. They know what his job is down here to do. I don't know how they got it, but Satan was there when it was all done. Half the things that were done in the scripture, he was in the throne room when it was going on. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. I'm about to make a mistake. Jesus was talking. But when they came to Capernaum, there were two others showed up to be there with Jesus. One was Paul, one was Peter, and one was, oh, I'm sorry, one, yeah, Peter, Andrew, and James were the three that showed up to help Jesus teach there at Capernaum. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, well, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, in other words, quit talking, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Now this is a part two that I think is very important. It doesn't really have anything to do with the main plot of this story. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What? thing is this. This is the first time they had ever seen Satan or Satan's world or the demon world called out of a person. This particular group right here. And they can't believe what they're hearing. That these men are calling the demon world, devil, Satan's world, out of a human being. What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirit, and they do obey him. I've said it before, and I think several times to you, I hope, that the thing I think that got, that made the gospel of Jesus Christ go so far into the population was that they saw him having authority having control over the demon world. They had never seen anybody do that. And that's, this right here is, bears witness to that fact. What's going on? Is this a new way of preaching? We've never seen anybody do this. Because with authority, he speaks with authority. The scribes don't even try stuff like this. And they do obey him. So when he claims to be from heaven, wouldn't you tend to believe him? Could anybody accept someone from heaven? 
call a demon out of a person. And immediately, his fame spread abroad throughout all the region around about Galilee. Because this is a new thing. It's never happened to these people before. They've never seen it. And you know how it is. When you see something that's kind of supernatural and you've never seen it before, you can't wait to get home and tell somebody else. The demons knew Jesus in the Bible. And Jesus not only told him to come out of this man, but told him to be quiet. But before he could come out, I've told you before, now you've got to understand something about demons. They are in it to do damage. That is their whole goal, because that's Satan's goal. He taught them all. And he gave them things to do that they could do without even calling him to find out about it. But this demon says, well, I'll come out because I've got to obey you, but I tell you what, I'm going to scream like a banshee before I have to start coming out of it. And in the process... I'm going to tear this guy. Now that's a new new expression for me to talk about somebody being wounded by being torn. But apparently, and I have checked up the epileptic, the, the description of the epileptics who are demon-possessed, and they are torn. The demon that is in an epileptic throws him so violently on the ground that he wraps down and just splits his skin and tears himself all over. And so he did his final deal and he came out. But the big point to the crowd was that Jesus ordered him out and he came. And immediately, Jesus' fame spread throughout that part of the country. If you will, turn to Acts 19. Chapter 19, verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from the body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. Now he's talking about the body of believers. 
That's what started all that old Robert stuff about sending you a handkerchief that he'd had his hands on and blessed and your prayers had way more strength if you bought one of them things more. And Oral made his millions probably from some of that because I knew a lot of people around here who had one old handkerchief. But let me tell you this. There were followers of Christ who did not, who were not given the power to call demons out. And this is something that's important in this here. But I want to show you something else from this verse. They brought unto the sick from the church body handkerchiefs or aprons to give their prayer more power. And the disease departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Now please, for anybody, we have biblical confirmation here that some things that those that were brought to Jesus or, or Paul be healed, some of them were sicknesses and some of them were evil, were demon associated. They make that play. I've got every place that's marked in my Bible where they make that distinction. All sicknesses weren't demon provoked. And all demon provoked weren't sicknesses. The people who were brought to them, if they came to them in a line and they had a sickness, they took them out. And then if the next one came and he was demon possessed, they took him out. There is a difference between being demon possessed, demon oppressed, and sick. And it has to do with the motive, the reason they're sick. And these guys had to determine when these people came to them, what was wrong with them. And see this too, that everywhere they went, there was somebody possessed with demons. They were everywhere, y'all. Everywhere. These people knew all about the satanic world. They didn't know about Jesus' world. That's the first time I'd ever seen this. But they knew all about people having demons. Then certain of the vagabond Jews. Now there were some Jews that didn't have a town that they lived in. They were itinerant. They traveled everywhere they went. They were like gypsies. They'd move their camp and move and whatever. And there were priests within their group. Then certain of the vagabond Jews who claimed to be exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, We command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. They're trying to use the power that God gave other people to use Jesus' name and call the demons out. But this bunch of 
Jews who were exorcists couldn't get it done. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priest, which did so. They had a chief priest that was going with them. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus signed it. So they went up to him and said, We're calling the demon out of you by the name that Paul uses. That's Jesus Christ. And the evil spirit answered them out of this man and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? I like that. I like that. To uncover somebody who's trying to cheat their way through. And the man in whom the evil spirit was, the evil spirit was, leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Do you know this meets or matches the story that Bob Tyson, the, the, the missionary to Nicaragua, he was down there 20-something years. He knew all about this stuff. But at the time I talked to Bob about this, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even look at a, a, a demon. He wouldn't touch it. And he said, I don't know how to do them. I don't want... He said he came in one day, drove his Jeep up to the, the place where they taught these young pastors, the seminary, and he walked in and asked his secretary, where are the, where are the boys? Where are the young pastors? She said, oh, they've gone up on the mountain to get the demon out of a man up there. He said, do what? She said, yes, they think they've got the power to do that. He said, I don't have the power to do that. Where did they get it? And he jumped out and in his Jeep, and up that mountain he went. And when he got up there, he says, Joe, when I got out of that Jeep, that man was standing, talking bad to these guys. And they were eight, best I can recollect, eight to, to 10 or 11. There on the ground, had no control of any of their bodily facilities and whatever. And they were a total mess. And they could not do anything with him. And they had not even put their hands on him. And he was doing, had got their minds so messed up that they had no control over their own body. that they went home after that encounter with that man who had that demon. They went home naked and wounded. Now, if they, if they rent them, I don't understand exactly how all of that happened, but your skin just busts open. I know that from something. Jesus said when those Disciples came back, back that couldn't take that demon out of that man's son. He said, oh, little, oh ye of little faith, how long shall I have to deal with you?
he said, Jesus told that man the reason they couldn't do it. Jobs this difficult can only be done by a disciple who is praying and fasting. So he said, you can't do this by just wanting to. You can't do this even this, this kind, even with the power that God gives you to do it. You can't do it unless you're fasting too. Now let me explain the thing that Jesus explained to me. Or I wouldn't have got it because I never had it before a couple of days ago. Why was it important to fast to get power? Why in this case was it important? Why was it for the disciples? And why is it in this case that a man has to be fasting along with praying to get power to pull a demon out of these people? It has to do with bodily control. It has to do with how much control do you have over your body. Because you see, these preachers, boys, were boys who were called, I assume, to be a preacher. They didn't have enough control on their body to outdo the control the demon had on their body. So when you go to deal with a demon, one such as this, you need to be sure you're prayed up and that you have been fasting to know how much control you have on your body. You say, how do you do that? I don't fast. Well, several of you are on weight reduction programs, right? How much, how much control did you find that doing, not eating some things or not eating as much of some things that you've been eating? How much control did you have over that? If you can just say, body, we're not going to eat this for three months and not touch it, not look at it, not lust after it, you got a lot of control. That's the control the demon uses. If you can't control your body, he's going to control. Because with this preacher that Bob Tyson had, he controlled every one of them. So that gives you an idea of the level of body control that it takes in a Christian. Now what has Jesus preached and, and his, his disciples and Paul preach this whole New Testament. You got to control your mouth. You got to control your hands, your arms, everything. You got to control your behavior to look like a Christian. Make sense? Yes, it does. Sure it does. You know it does. But the proof of the pudding, as Bill said, is in the eating. And we're talking about eating, so I'll say that. But the thing is, how much control you have over your own body gives you an idea how you're going to deal with a demon. And I've seen people that had so much control you wouldn't believe it. And I've seen others that didn't have any control. And that's the measuring. Is you know it's a good thing for Christians to fast. It gives them power when you fast. So if you're not fasting, maybe you want to try to fast and see just how strong you are 
If you're skinny, you can do this. You don't have to be large to do this. They fall with the temptation that the demon is throwing at them. It says control of the spirits moved so many people that were seeing this to Jesus' side. They became saved. Because it made such an impression on them. Verse 18, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, what they had been doing. Many of them also was used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it to be 30,000 pieces of silver. 30 times what was paid for Jesus. 30 times. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed because of what they saw. The question's asked, do you want to be obedient? God commands fasting under certain situations. Would you like to lose weight? You can do it if you're fasting for God and not for yourself. If you ask God to lose weight for you, He will. Because as a general sense, you're more healthy. So there are three other encounters God's followers had with, within, with demons and Satan's group. And you've seen something more, I think, about what demons do. The thing that impressed me, I knew some of them had gifts that helped their host. But when that demon, even Jesus Christ, the second highest authority in the world, and they knew that, ordered them out of that man, they couldn't come out without butchering him up. They had to. They couldn't help it. That's what you're dealing with. Some are like the girl. Some are like the guys. They've got demons living in them that do these kind of things to people. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the day. I know it's run long. But I thank you, Lord, for being able to teach the things that are going on that people might know and not be astonished like these people were because 
things were going like they were. Sir Lord, I pray for our people that they may take these things and put them in their in their conscience, in their mind, to be things that Jesus can bring back and cause them to remember out of this lesson in case they encounter these demons from Satan's world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Christ's name, amen.